0: is uh one o'clock 1300 for the military types uh on september 14th 2023 uh we are going to go because there's always more information and news that uh can possibly be kept up with so um uh, if people will ask yes there will be a recording i'll put it out through the regular podcast channels tomorrow or whatever uh and i'll throw the links to everything in here that i'm referencing as well um And uh, yeah, oh, and by the way, uh, G2's continued to put up their $10 Amazon gift card. Uh, I know that's you know big money, but hey, 10 bucks that I didn't have yesterday is you know 10 bucks. Um, you could buy like one Starbucks coffee or a gallon of gas with that, I guess. Anyway, fill out a review if you're using some of this software, help the community like that's the gist of it. And no one knows that it was you, so I would suggest that it's worth your time and effort. But and again. That's just my two cents. Uh, I probably won't be doing this next week because I'll be going out to Chicago to do some work um, with uh, G2 people. So if you're in Chicago and you're around, then, uh, you know, say hi or something. Or if you know a good place to eat in Chicago, let me know because I'll be there. Anyway, let's start out with this MGM thing. Uh, MGM, if you're not familiar with it, has been hit with a ransomware attack uh, they f- did their 8K filing, which was interesting uh, because the, the, the SEC is involved here. They did their 8K filing pretty damn fast. Uh, but I've got the actual 8K because all that stuff is public knowledge. And you can go look at this, like I say. But all it says, and this is the actual filing to the SEC. MGM Resorts International accompanied issues the following statement. Uh, identified a cybersecurity quote issue affecting certain, and this is their words, this is literally how it's written, certain of the company's systems. Bad grammar. Promptly after detecting the issue, we began an investigation with assistance from leading external cybersecurity experts. We also notified law enforcement taking steps to protect our systems and data, including shutting down certain systems. Uh, our investigation is ongoing, and we are working dil- diligently to resolve the manner, matter. Rather, The company will continue to implement uh, measures to secure its business operations take additional steps as appropriate now if you that's their 8k filing which meets the requirements for the sec to do it within four days of un, of being aware of an incident but number one it's not really well written and number two it doesn't tell you a whole lot which okay fine but the sec is still fighting with this whole thing about how do you determine what's material to a business i would say that this is pretty material because MGM Vegas is pretty much down hard. uh, And now they're switching back to paper and they're giving people physical keys, which, I mean, honestly, this problem could have been limited to some degree if people just had regular old keys to get to a hotel room, but we got to be fancy. So there's that. The more you connect things, the more you open yourself up to compromise. Just like that's a rule. So know that for all the fancy Bluetooth powered log in go to your hotel room and never talk to a person thing which hey I'm fine with that I don't want to talk to the front desk anyway but it is a problem when things go sideways uh now VX Underground which if you're not familiar with them they do a lot of really solid stuff and if VX Underground says something on Twitter it's pretty much gospel so VX Underground reported this uh on All ALF5 or ALPHV ransomware group did to compromise MGM Resorts was hop on LinkedIn, found an employee, called the Help Desk. A company valued at $33 not million, that's with a B, was defeated by a 10-minute conversation. So this did not happen as it seems right now. This did not happen to MGM within the MGM Borg. It happened with an outsourced provider that was providing services, to MGM and someone at the bad guy side of it went and did some open source stuff. It's really easy to do. They found a target of opportunity. They did their phishing and their vishing and they got them, you know, that way. And then you go forward from there and you laterally move inside the network and things go sideways. Does this mean that MGM, you know, doesn't understand cybersecurity? Nope. I'm sure they got a lot of brilliant people there, but does this continue to indicate to everybody else it's not about how much money you have if you're connected to other organizations and there are organizations that connect and remote into you, you accept all their dirty laundry. they they're admins on your system they're you know doing whatever. Um, good luck because this 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 is perfect proof right here in my opinion of a company that's worth 33 billion dollars again with a B. That got hit with a really simplistic attack, and I'm sure we'll find out more as it as it rolls forward. Because this is going to be in the news for a while, and they're they're down hard. Um, it, <laughs> you can't spend your way out of the risk that is inherent with these connections and whatever else. And honestly, my guess would be that this person or this admin probably had excessive privileges, bad creds. Uh, could get to stuff they shouldn't get to. And if a bad guy can get to an outsourced IT provider that has those types of creds and access, man, it's game over. Um, and oh, by the way, because they're there, they don't just go in and do their thing and leave. Um, they're figuring out ways to install back doors so they can come back later. Uh, if Now, MGM is uh, a casino type thing. For them, I think the, the ransom was like 15 million bucks. They pull that shit out of their, uh, what, what do you call it? The the office cash kitty. I mean, $15 million? Sure, here you go. We'll cut you that check right now. But it's not over. They're going to keep coming back, and they're not just going to go after wherever they're at now. They're going to move through other systems. So uh, it sucks to be you guys, and my heart goes out to the folks who are going to work long hours to fix this problem, but there it is. You cannot spend your way out of the risk from remote connectivity and admin creds and those types of things. Just know that, Uh, you know, here's more about what was actually written up there. So uh, attackers gained access to the company's systems through a social engineering attack. Vishing attack affected some systems, including website reservation systems and hotel electronic key cards. And the FBI has been called in there. Uh, Yep. Uh, Let's see. And there's more from DX underground in here. Uh, Basically, it's just, you know, saying whatever's really going on. Um, Not good for MGM. So, yeah. And I I know you're probably sitting there listening to this like, well, thanks for fucking nothing, Chase. But as as I learn more, I will share more. Um, And it's not, again, to dig on a company that's been breached. It's so that we can learn from it and do better. Uh, I hope that they recover quickly. Uh, I've been to those resorts. They're pretty cool. Uh, I don't like Vegas personally because it's hot as hell and I don't gamble. So, yeah. Uh, article in uh, CISO, CSO magazine, CSO online, why executives should never be exempted from cybersecurity policy. Now, number one, like let's just be honest about this. A standard is a standard. A policy is a policy. You don't get to have policies and standards that are only applicable to execs and you don't get to have policies and standards that are only applicable to whatever you might have different things that are applied within the context of a technical policy to different groups. And honestly, that's what technology now allows you to do to have really crafted policies. But at organizational level, a standard is a standard. Um, in the military, we, we live this like all the time. It's, it's the standard, uh, I, I try and live this in my personal life with my kids. Like it, the standard is the standard for everybody. I don't care if you don't like it. That's what it is. Anytime an exec says, well, that shouldn't apply to me. That exec is in true. They should be in trouble. They are introducing additional risk. They are introducing additional problem overhead cost, all those things. There is no reason for any executive who I don't give a shit who they are to say that this doesn't apply to me or that I have to do these things or whatever else. Um, do your job but we're going to apply this policy you're not outside the bounds of this and there's more this is a really good article some of some are fine with c-suite executives opting out of cybersecurity measures for the sake of convenience it's a bad idea yeah uh this is you know those are the people that are going to be targeted um this this would be worth everybody reading infosec teams must reduce the risk to enterprise above all else uh talks about C-suite might need a more bespoke level of security, which that's the value proposition from organizational technology as it stands right now in cyber is that, excuse me, that you can have a technical policy. This is where ZT's policy comes into this conversation that you apply to an individual person and you can do that. You're not negating the standard of you must abide by security rules, but With the right technology applied correctly, I can have a policy, technical policy, that says these people with these levels of access can do these things and go to this stuff on the Internet or whatever else. And that allows you to have a very tailored policy to better secure people that need better security. It's not okay for somebody to say, I don't like this solution. I don't like that tech. You're not going to do it to me because I'm the CEO. Well, Mr. And Mrs. CEO, you're wrong. And we're going to apply it to you anyway. Uh, you wouldn't do that for people. If you're in a, a sales organization, can you imagine if one of your salespeople came in and said, nah, I don't like Salesforce. I'm not using it. You'd be like, well, you're fired. So even if the, the CRO was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. They'd get fired. So it's the same thing in cyber. Um, it's not even a conversation of whether or not someone should be uh, engaged in that. A standard is a standard. Policies from technologies, if done correctly, can negate the misery that people will deal with. It's perfectly okay, I would say, to gripe about something. Uh, I don't like VPN stuff and whatever. But to say, like, no, you're not doing that to me because I'm a CEO, No, that's a non-flyer. Not going to happen. No, no way, no, nah. Uh, there was a report that was published today. I'm looking at the JD Super reference to it. Uh, cyber-related false claims act activity signals contractors and universities should examine their cybersecurity practices and brace for an uptick in enforcement. Now, if you're not familiar with this, uh, there's some stuff around this. is So in recent weeks, there's been an uptick in news of cyber-related false claims act activity. For example, on September 1st of 2023, the court unsealed a, a Qui tam lawsuit, I think I said that right, against Penn State University relating to allegations of non-compliance with DOD cybersecurity obligations. Separately, on September 5th, the DOJ announced a multi-million dollar FCA settlement with Verizon under, I talked about that last week, uh, and of course my dogs are barking because that's what they do, they're wireless doorbells. On September 1st, 2023, the U.S. District Court for Eastern District of Pennsylvania unsealed an FCA lawsuit uh, against Penn State University because they failed to provide adequate security for covered defense information as contractually required by DFARS, DFARS. Under this clause, adequate security is defined as at least implementing all 110 controls outlined in NIST SP 800-171, which a lot of folks are very familiar with that. Moreover, federal regulations require DOD contractors to conduct a... Here's where things go sideways. Let me read this again. Moreover, federal regulations require DOD contractors to conduct a self-assessment of compliance with those 110 controls and report a compliance score out of 110 in the DOD supplier's performance risk system, which is SPRS. Among other things, the lawsuit alleges Penn State falsified at least 20 documents related to NIST uh, 800-171, self-assessment and other self-attestations in particular the lawsuit alleges that despite never reaching compliance the university had been falsely attesting to compliance since january 1 2018 that's five years ago the lawsuit also alleges since information was put at risk when the university migrated some of its data to a commercial cloud storage service whoops uh this was done by a whistleblower there so i won't go into that but you can go i'll put the links into this afterwards and you can look at the rest of the stuff but i mean that's like if if you've wanted someone to validate that there's a thing about compliance is not equal security a self-attestation to a compliance requirement absolutely does not equal a security uh posture um i can self-attest today that i'm fucking compliant on all dfars 110 blah blah, blah. i just take the paper pencil whip it and send it over and if you've got a contract, I think I read that the contract for this particular university told up to be a couple of billion dollars. If you're going to put $2 billion worth of contract value in front of me, I will pencil whip the shit out of whatever you put in front of me. I'm willing to accept that risk, especially if over five years, no one catches you doing the wrong thing. Why would you not? I mean, it's going to be pretty expensive to do you know, a real compliance check. But if it's self-attestation, which that's the way this stuff is written, a lot of it is written, you just pencil whip it and go on about your, your day. And then you deal with it when things go sideways. Uh, why in all of uh, intelligence space would you ever allow anyone to self-attest to some security required compliance measure? That seems like one of the dumbest things that I could possibly imagine hearing. It just doesn't make a lick of sense. Uh, I, I It used to be, and if you didn't know this, look it up. It used to be that airlines could self-certify their aircraft, right? The FAA wasn't getting involved in certifying aircraft. Guess what happened to the aircraft? They fell out of the sky all the time because in the context of business, if it costs me a million dollars to get a compliance thing done and fly a plane, or I can just self-attest to it and go, I sure think this is right. And then take the risk of the plane crashing. Which one do you go with? Your self-attestation is absolutely orthogonal to what security practice requires. Um, you know, maybe maybe this type of stuff is the line in the sand that actually leads to some sort of Force maybe it's CISA or some other sub agency or whatever, that this is all they do is they run around and enforce the laws and requirements and compliance initiatives for organizations. Um, I think that that may wind up coming out of this secs, you know, doing their piece. Like there's, there's a lot of uh, perfect storm type things beginning to happen. And in the government space, when enough perfect storm stuff happens, then enough people way at the top of the muckety muck structure get you hear about it and eventually laws come into play um, this might be where that goes to the next step that's just my thinking but maybe so uh, uh, there was uh, an article in Reuters someone told me the other day that it was called Reuters so that's what I'm going to go with from now on uh, bipartisan push to ban deceptive AI uh, generated ads in U.S. elections and this was introduced by Amy Klobuchar and uh, let me make sure I have it right. Uh, yeah, Klobuchar, uh, Chris Coons, uh, Susan Collins, and Josh Hawley. So the fact that those people are collaborating was pretty shocking because I don't think those folks would want to darken the same room together. But they're introducing this, this bill. The bill's not even published yet. Like I tried to go get it from my, my stuff on the, uh, the Hill. I can't even get it there. But bipartisan bill... Uh, to ban deceptive AI-generated ads in U.S. elections. And it's kind of the way this thing is looking like it's written. Here's what it says. This bill would prohibit the distribution of materially deceptive AI-generated audio images or video relating to federal candidates, political ads, or certain issues, ads to influence a federal election or fundraise. Okay, cool, but there's this thing in the U.S. called freedom of speech. Uh, that's going to be problematic like you can already see that people are going to be up in arms about this as far as if i want to in the united states i have the right to freedom of speech you can't tell me that i can't say that donald trump donald trump uh, looks like an orange uh, and that joe biden is you know yoda with a tie like you can't do anything to stop me from from saying that if i want to make a video out of that with a deep fake then i can do that um, actually it would be pretty hilarious to see someone fake Trump as an actual orange and fake uh, Biden as Yoda, like not saying that y'all should just saying that that would be hilarious. Wink, wink. Anyway, uh, how are they going to stop this? And then again, how do you legislate this without running across the first amendment? And how do you do this technically where you can stop? It, it talks about watermarking in this bill, uh, in the draft side of it, but how is all that going to work? I mean, this minute right here, right now, if I got a spare 15 minutes, I can go off and create this. I use a fake account. I post it through, uh, you know, Reddit on the underground or or whatever else and just go for it from there. So, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't see, uh, this is posturing. Um, and it's, it's good that the conversations are occurring at that level, but this again is one of those things where, the people writing the laws don't understand how the technology and the space work. And it's just not going to make a lick of difference. Um, But good luck to them. Uh, I mean, I I guess the the really good thing is that at least there's some bipartisan thing, but it's only bipartisan when it's actually about something that might affect them getting elected again, which, hmm, you know, well, yeah. What does that say about the state of the space? Uh, CISA offers free security scans for public water utilities. This is on bleeping computer by Bill Tullis. The U.S. Critical Infrastructure Security Agency has announced it's offering free security scans for critical infrastructure facilities such as water utilities help protect crucial units from hacker attacks. The program was co-developed with the EPA Water Sector Coordinating Council and the Association of State Drinking Water Administrators. Wasn't aware that was a thing. And it asks for all drinking water and wastewater system operators to sign up for the program. You can reduce the risk of cyber attack at your utility by externally scanning your networks for vulnerabilities caused by public facing devices, reads the program's descriptions. The program works by having CISA's agents run specialized scanners to identify a facility's internet exposed endpoints and discover vulnerabilities or misconfigurations and those known to be exploited by hackers. CISA then sends weekly reports with action recommendations while subsequent scans determine if the water utilities have taken the required steps to mitigate previously disclosed systems right so this is like conceptually you can understand how this came together and it probably made sense but this is also going to cause people to uh their their cockles are going to go up right the hair on the back of their neck because anytime the government says I'm here to help, number one, that should be like, well, wait a minute, what are you here for? And I don't really believe you're here to help. And then number two, you're going to scan my systems and determine what's vulnerable. And then you're going to tell me how to fix it. But you also are, where's that data being stored? How is it being used? Where is it going to go? Is it going to wind up in the hands of other adversaries? Like if I'm a Chinese APT group or a Russian APT group and I know that CISA is storing this information on drinking water systems that gives me a really valid target to go figure out and spend a lot of time and a lot of resources to get at so that i can go and target those systems um do i need the federal government to run this stuff no i can run this stuff right now generally pretty free uh go to Shoden. go to Shoden.io. all you people that do your uh your water stuff and look your system up in there you can put your ip address your range your net your url whatever and it will come back and tell you what's misconfigured it takes seconds i do this all the time and then you can go fix those overt problems oh and by the way a lot of the vulnerability scanners that are out there have free versions you could run them entirely free i If I was in charge of a a water system for a municipality or something and the government said, I want to run scans on your system, I would say no. Uh, For one, there's the liability issue of once they do run that scan, and it says it explicitly in this program, once they do run that scan, I'm liable for that information and I'm also liable to fix it. Now, if it's my job to go fix that system, but I know that I can't get funding and I can't get other things I need to patch and update and they'll never let me take the system down. I'm the one left holding the bag. So that's not good for your career future. Uh, number two, again, what's the government doing with this stuff? Like, would would anyone be okay with the government saying, we're going to fix the banking system. So, hey, banks, we're going to go scan your systems for vulnerabilities and we'll just keep all that information. Trust us, wink, wink, like nothing bad will happen here because the U.S. government's never had a major breach, wink, wink. I mean, it's not... Not going to make anyone warm and fuzzy. And yes, CISA, like totally great people doing good work, solid, solid folks. I think I'm a fan of everything they do there. But this type of stuff is going to be one where it should have been dead on arrival, in my opinion, because it's not a comfortable, warm feeling. And there's a lot of risk being introduced here. And it just doesn't ring like a great idea uh, for a bunch of reasons. And again if you're an organization a municipality you can do the majority of that stuff for free um it it would take it would take minutes to do it uh, honestly now i think that cisa should publish some requirements that say these are the standards that you must meet and oh, we're going to validate those this goes back to my kind of compliance thing earlier and if you don't you're going to start getting fined and we'll go forward from there because drinking water is pretty critical um i live out in the country i want a well i'm not concerned about the quality of my drinking water but all you city folk like you should be a little bit concerned because things go bad pretty quickly uh yeah so a little bit you know uh, not making me super happy about the way that that all would work um anyway that is a lot of stuff uh There's also a report, um, I'll cover this last bit here on uh, from uh, New Relic, Uh, but they published a paper, uh, which was, where did I have that here? Uh, It basically was talking about observability and why that's so valuable for an organization. Um, If you're not familiar with what they're talking about, they're talking about being able to see what's going on and... Know that there is a, uh, uh, a a way to fix the problem. Uh, observability forecast report and some of the top takes away findings from the 2023 observability forecast include downtime costs 500k per hour. Now, obviously, this is for enterprises because it's pretty large. 32% of respondents said critical business app outages cost more than 500k per hour of downtime. Uh, respondents report a median annual outage cost of 7.75 million. Hmm those with full stack observability experience a median cost outage of 59% lower than those without observability. So essentially the more you can see and the more you have an understanding of what's going on in your system, the better it is for keeping things back, uh, keeping the stuff online, full stack observability is on the rise. Most organizations still don't monitor their full tech 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 stack. Say that three times fast, full stack observability increased 58% year over year by mid 2026. 82% of organizations are expected to deploy each of 17 different observability capabilities. Uh, I'll put the link in there to this because you should probably go read what the 17 different observability capabilities are. And tool consolidation is preferred. Tool sprawl remains an obstacle for organizations of all sizes despite a two-to-one preference for a single consolidated platform. So most folks want platform. They want consolidation. They want optimization. They want things to work together. Um <clears throat> I think this is just valuable because it's not, I wouldn't even necessarily call this like a straight up security thing, but it's good to see that there is concern about observability within the stack for applications and infrastructure and whatever else. I wasn't aware that at the enterprise level, that it could be that big of a, a financial impact if there is an outage. I would have figured it'd be a few hundred grand over the course of a day, maybe, but if you think about it, when you're talking about really big orgs, yeah, it could add up. Uh, pretty quickly anyway I like to get this stuff done in under 30 minutes that's 27 minutes and something seconds uh, there will be more to come I'll put the links to this uh, do me a favor and uh, share this stuff with folks because this helps us all get better uh, I'll put the link to the uh, $10 survey in there I'm trying literally I'm trying to give people 10 bucks so go get your $10 y'all and then on the far end of it uh, if I can help please let me know um, have a great holiday for those that are celebrating the upcoming uh, Jewish holiday. And other than that, as always, stay smart, stay safe, stay secure. I'll catch you on the next one. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, AKA episode is provided for general information purposes only by listening to this episode. You understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.